Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I'm your host, Isaac Wolf. The NBA season tips off tomorrow, finally, after, well, the shortest offseason in NBA history. Still kind of felt like a long time, but we're here. We're going to have all 30 teams this time. So it should be a lot of fun. The 2020-2021 season is getting underway tomorrow, Tuesday, December, December 22nd, with Warriors, Nets, and Lakers, Clippers will be the opening night doubleheader. I think it's about time I give you my season preview. We're going to start off with the standings in each conference. Starting with the East, let's go with the East first. 15th, we're going to go from 15 to 1, bottom to top. Starting with the Knicks, because, you know, they're the Knicks. They didn't do anything to get better, and they haven't gotten worse. But they're, they're still the worst team talent-wise in the entire NBA. 14, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are, they're, they're pretty bad, but Andre Drummond is there. He's going to be there for the whole season, so I think that will help. I don't know what Kevin Love's production will look like this year. He seems to be on a decline. We'll see. The Pistons, I have the Pistons at 13. Blake Griffin and the Rose are still there. The, that's, I mean, that's all they got going for them. If Sekou Dumboya can develop into something, that would certainly help. They signed Mason Plumley, Jalil Okafor in, in free agency. But they're just, they're not the borderline playoff team that they have been for the past two years, past three, four years, actually, more like. And that's because they traded away Andre Drummond. It still didn't make any sense. So, you can make an argument for the Cavs over the Pistons at 13, but I still have Detroit. Number 12, the Charlotte Hornets. They are going to probably surprise some people this year. Miles Bridges is there. Devontae Graham is there. LaMelo Ball, of course, the number three pick in the draft. His preseason has been a little rough, especially shooting the ball. I saw something that at one point, maybe this wasn't including the most recent game. He was shooting 17% from two and 22% from three or something horrible like that. I mean, he's due for three to four flashy passes a game, and that's all ever that's all anyone ever shows of him. It makes him look like he's this already great point guard, but he has got a lot of work to do. But being behind, well, he won't necessarily be behind. He'll probably start. But he's got Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham ahead of him in terms of experience. So that should help. The Bulls at 11, they have a shot at making the playoffs. It's They have a puncher's chance, I guess you could say. Patrick Williams has looked solid in the preseason. Lowry Markin and Wendell Carter are still there. If they can stay healthy, that would be good for Chicago's front court. Zach Levine, Zach Levine's going to do what Zach Levine's going to do. He's going to average probably 25 points per game. Kobe White, he, I mean, he's a pretty key part to their performance this year if he can make the leap which I think I think he's a candidate for most improved player I think we'll get well actually we'll get to my award predictions in a minute but Kobe White could be the most improved player in the NBA this year just from what I've seen from him at training camp in preseason and based on what I saw from him at North Carolina I think he's got a chance to make a big leap now that Chris Dunn isn't there taking his minutes He's going to have the starting point guard role, and he's going to have a chance to do something 
with the Bulls this year. Number 10, the Magic. They are always right there. They're always the, in the 8, 9, or 10 spot the past few years. Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, they're all still there. Jo- Jonathan Isaac, if he can recover from that torn ACL. I do have them on the outside of the playoff picture, however. Number 9, this is going to surprise a lot of people. The Indiana Pacers. Yeah, I do not have the Pacers making the playoffs. And it sounds crazy, but when you look at the teams that I'm about to mention, it's simply because the teams above them have more talent. Number eight, the Hawks with Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella's there, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, uh, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari they got in free agency. I'd take the Hawks over the Pacers, and i take the Wizards over the Pacers as well because Westbrook's going to be there. He's more, way more doable than durable, I should say, than than John Wall. And then Bradley Beal is there. That backcourt alone is, I think, enough to get them in over Indiana. The Heat, the Heat, of course, they went to the NBA Finals. I have the Heat at number six. The 76ers at number five. I mean, I mean, at that point, it's guaranteed they're better than the Pacers. I mean, they have Simmons. I mean, this, this, the records didn't show that last year, but Simmons, Embiid, Dwight Howard is now there. Danny Green is now there. Tobias Harris still there. Number four, the Toronto Raptors. They surprised everybody last season and be, had the second best record in the league behind the Bucks. They were number two in the Eastern Conference, number two overall in the NBA. I do think they'll take a step back without Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. The Celtics... At number three, this is where they've been the past few years. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are going to carry early on in the season because Kemba Walker is out. I forget what it is. I believe it's something with his knee or foot. But Kemba Walker is not there to start the season. That's going to that's gonna hurt. I do like the addition of Tristan Thompson, though. That gives them finally some size. Like Daniel Tice was their starting center, but he was only 6'8". And although his three-point shot got better throughout the season, it wasn't the best way to do small ball. The Nets at number two, KD and Kyrie, no explanation needed. And then the Bucks at number one, because they're a regular season team. We know they're going to win probably 50, 55 games with Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Lopez. They're my number one team in the East. But back to the Pacers, Victor Oladipo just does not look like himself. Ever since that quad injury, he didn't look like himself in the regular season. In the regular season. And then he had that four-month layoff. And then in the bubble, he didn't do a great job either tj warren carried them in the bubble i don't think they're a playoff team in the east this year which is hard to say because even without oladipo they were the fourth seed all of last year but i think a bunch of teams got better the hawks got better the hawks got a lot better the wizards got better and then there's the heat sixers raptors celtics nets and bucks who are clearly better than the pacers no matter what the record says about them last year. Because that was last year. This is this year. All right, let's go to the West. Starting with number 15, the Thunder. Yeah, th- I mean, they lost Chris Paul. They lost Danilo Gallinari. And they lost Steven Adams. All Literally, all they have is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And he's not enough to lift them or keep them in that playoff picture. Number 14, this is tough. This is, I was going through the West, and it's really, really tough because all of these, like the entire Western Conference besides the Thunder, really are going to be at least solid this year. I have the Kings at number 14. De'Aaron Fox just got the max extension, and then they signed Hassan Whiteside. 
in free agency lost Bogdan Bogdanovich. But I mean, that's a solid, that's a solid team. Just the rest of the West is just better. I have the Spurs at 13. I don't want to bet against Greg. I don't want to bet against Greg Popovich. I would have put the Spurs under Sacramento, but I'm not betting against Greg Popovich. The Pelicans at 12. Uh, it's hard to say if they're going to be better or worse. It really depends on what Zion does because they lost Drew Holiday, but they got Steven Adams. So now Eric Bledsoe is in the backcourt. I don't like that fit a lot. But if Zion, you know, is does what he's doing in the preseason, which is like he put up 31 the other night in like 30 minutes or 36 minutes. No, he didn't play 36. He put up like 31 in 30 minutes. And yeah, I mean, he's got a chance to be a superstar. It just can he stay healthy? That's, I mean, that's the main question with them. The Timberwolves at number 11. Cat and D'Lo are together for an entire season now. And then they, uh, the, they added the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. Number 10, the Grizzlies. They're starting the season without Jaron Jackson Jr., but I think that gives time for Brandon Clark to develop and become a star. Maybe not a superstar, but, you know, a very quality starter for them. And John Morant, John Morant's going to have to carry them throughout the first, I don't know, maybe 10, 15. I don't know how long Jackson's out exactly because it was a torn meniscus that he tore in the bubble. So it was a more recent injury. It wasn't like before the hiatus or anything. But I do have the Grizzlies at 10 because they almost made it last year. The Warriors at number nine. A lot of people might get mad at me for this. I do have the Warriors outside of the playoff picture. Both nine seeds are controversial in my in each conference. I have the Pacers at nine and the Warriors at nine. The Warriors, it's the same thing I had with the Pacers in the East. The the teams in the West simply have more talent. I have the Mavericks at eight, Luka and Porzingis. You're not betting against them. The Suns have Chris Paul now. After an 8-0 bubble run, they added Chris Paul to go with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. The Jazz at number six. They're not better than Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who, by the way, just got a $205 million max extension. I have so many problems with that, but we can talk about that later. The Trailblazers at number five. I'd take Lillard and McCollum over Steph and no Clay, And then, so the Trailblazers at five. Rockets at number four, if they keep Harden, which it doesn't sound like is going to happen. But, I mean, it really, it the Rockets... Uh, the Rockets' place in the standings really depends on how soon they trade James Harden and what they get for him. Because if they keep him all year, they're a top-four team in the West. If they don't, if they trade him with the Nets and say get a package like Lavert, Dinwiddie, Allen, they're probably more in like the 6-8 to eight range with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins still there. If they trade him with... Uh, who's the other? The Sixers. The Sixers, and they get Ben Simmons, they're probably still in the 4-7 to seven range. So they're, they could easily be fourth... They could be borderline third, or they could be eighth or ninth. We, I mean, we, we really don't know what to expect from them because we don't know what to expect from James Harden. Is he going to be there? Is he going to play? If he does, how long is he going to be there? So there's a lot of questions surrounding the Rockets right now. Number three, the Denver Nuggets. I told you this in my last episode. I don't think they got better over free agency. I think they got worse. They were, they were the third seed in the West last year, but... Nobody else made enough improvements to leapfrog them, I believe, in the standings. Unless the Rockets, you know, keep James Harden all season. So the Nuggets at three. Clippers at two. 
And Lakers at one. That's pretty self-explanatory. I think the Lakers got better. The Clippers got marginally better, but the Lakers got a lot better. They were the champions. They're the number one seed in the West. So, the Warriors without Klay Thompson. You, you, I mean, Steph without Klay, and Klay without Steph, or Klay without Steph, I should say, just isn't the same as them together on the floor. I really am not expecting a lot from the Warriors this year. Now, will Steph put up 27, 28 a game, shoot 40% from three? Probably. Draymond Green, he's getting older. He's becoming less and less productive. However, last year was just kind of an awful year for the Warriors overall. James Wiseman, we have to kind of wait and see with him because we only saw him play three games in college. So I'm not putting my full confidence in him yet to contribute right away. And I'm not taking that over the Mavericks, who have Luka and Porzingis. Yes, Porzingis is out to start the season, but eventually when they get back together healthy, they're going to make a run, probably end up 10th right at the start of the season and then move their way up to 8th, 7th, 6th. 6th is even possible for them. The Suns, CB3, Booker, and Aiden is way better than Curry, Green, and Wiseman. I mean, I just don't see how the Warriors get in because there's only eight spots. It's, I mean, like the top 10, maybe 11 seeds in the West are over 500 this year. I mean, that's how good this conference is. It's it's ridiculous. It's really hard to say that the Warriors are going to miss the playoffs, but I don't know. That's just how I look at it. Okay, so for the playoffs, I have... Let's go to the conference finals. I have Lakers over Clippers. That's a pretty easy preview because you got the one and the two. Although, you know, maybe the Clippers match up with the Nuggets again and the Nuggets beat them. I don't know. (laughs) That would be pretty messed up. But I have the Lakers over the Clippers. And then the Eastern Conference, I have the Nets over the Raptors. So how this would work is the Bucks and the Raptors, to me, would play... According to my standings, the Raptors would beat the 76ers in the first round and then play the Bucks in the second round. Am I a believer in the Bucks? Nope. Have they done enough to, you know, keep me on that side? Because originally I was like, I, they, I don't believe in them until they prove they can do stuff in the playoffs, prove Giannis can do stuff in the playoffs. They didn't do that last year. So I have the Raptors over the Bucks in the second round. The Bucks will not go to the conference finals this year, in my opinion. And then you got the Nets. Over the Celtics, likely in the second round. Nets over Raptors. Katie and Kyrie over Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. That's what it comes down to. Superstars versus just, you know, a good, solid team. And then the NBA Finals, please, please. Oh, we need this Finals matchup. We need this Finals matchup so bad. Lakers and Nets. LeBron, KD, Anthony Davis, Kyrie. That would be, that would be fantastic. LeBron versus KD. Then you have... Kyrie going up against LeBron. And then, you know, Anthony Davis is there. Just another superstar to watch. That is probably the best finals matchup we can ask for. That That's at least my opinion. Okay, let's go to the awards, my award predictions for this year. Coach of the year, Frank Vogel. The coach who wins this award typically has the first or second best record in the conference, so I assume the Lakers will end up with the best record in the league, and Vogel will win the award. That's just how this goes. Sixth man of the year, it really depends. I guess the the Lakers are in a similar, similar situation as the Clippers were last year because the Clippers had Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, 
they alternated time at six man they both came off the bench but both alternated time at six man and they have the same situation the lakers do with dennis schroeder and montresero they have talked about starting schroeder which i think would make a reasonable amount of sense but i do have montresero winning the award i assume he will keep this role because i i think i explained this earlier i think gasol is a better fit with the starting lineup if he does keep this role as the sixth man on the Lakers in that system with LeBron and AD and all the other surrounding pieces, he's going to do great, maybe better than last year. And he won the award last year. So I expect Harold to go back to back on this award for finalists. I'm going to name my three finalists. I actually probably should do this before I announce the winner. So the finalists for this award to me will be Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, and Spencer Dinwiddie, assuming Kyrie stays healthy. That was my problem last year. I didn't win as a six man of the year last year, but Kyrie played like what, 20 games, if that. So he wasn't eligible for it because he started he started the rest of the season. Most improved player, my finalists, Michael Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and Kobe White. This is incredibly hard to decide. This really is. Michael Porter Jr. is probably the popular pick. He's definitely the popular pick. A lot of people are expecting him to take that leap to become the third star behind Jokic and Murray. But I'm going to go with Kobe White. And it's for the reasons I explained earlier. He's going to be the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls this season. The the backcourt of him and Levine finally provides shooting. The Bulls have needed shooting for so, so long. They just have never had shooting, especially in the backcourt. Kobe White... Zach Levine, they're both very, very good shooters, and they both can shoot from long distance. I think Kobe White is ready to take the next step. Average maybe 20 points per game. That's a stretch. But Kobe White is going to make the biggest improvement from where he was last year to this year. I think a full season of starting at point guard will be huge for him, and he's going to do very, very well. Christian Wood has an argument with the Rockets, depending on if, you know, obviously if James Harden's there, his volume goes down. But he's got an argument. And Michael Porter Jr., he could take the leap as well. Defensive player of the year. My finalists are Kawhi Leonard. Actually, no, he's not going to play up enough. He's not going to play enough games. Never mind. Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two obvious ones, and Bam Adebayo. And you know who I'm picking? I'm picking Bam Adebayo. I like Bam to win this award because Kawhi, like I said, won't play enough games to win it. And I think Bam will have a more noticeable impact on the Heat than AD and Giannis will have on the Lakers and Bucks. As great of individual defenders as those two are, Giannis and AD, I feel like they're both more system slash team defenders than Adebayo. I feel like Bam is ready to make another leap this year, block two plus shots a game, probably get over a steal per game as well, and have plenty of highlights to go with it. So Bam Adebayo is my pick for defensive player of the year. And also, it's not as fun to pick, you know, the obvious names. That's why I went with Kobe White over Michael Porter Jr. partially, and Bam over AD and Giannis. Rookie of the year, Anthony Edwards. LaMelo Ball and Bull Bull are the finalists. Yes, Bull Bull is a finalist. He's eligible for Rookie of the Year. Did you know that? He's eligible for Rookie of the Year because he didn't make his debut until the bubble. So I think he's got a chance to do a lot. But it's the pick for me is Anthony Edwards. To me, it will ultimately come down to Edwards or or Ball. But I'm going to go with Edwards because... 
we saw all of LaMelo's preseason debut highlights with the fancy passes and great playmaking ability, but he didn't score. He had like four highlights. Those were his four assists. He had 10 rebounds, but he's a tall guard. He's six, seven. And he like, he didn't have that great of a game in his preseason debut. And he's not shooting the ball well. And yes, I understand it's like his first ever experience on an NBA court, but still it was only slightly promising. In that debut, he went 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. He's a point guard that can't shoot. I don't like him as much as everyone else does. But when you look at this draft class, him and Edwards are the two best players. So I'm really just going with Edwards based on what I think he's capable of, which to me is more than what LaMelo Ball is capable of. This season, at least, that's why I go with Edwards. MVP, the big one. Finalists, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo again. And Damian Lillard. Yeah, those are my finalists, and I'm picking Luka to win the award. I think he's going to average a triple-double this year. And that's honestly what he has to do, because I have the Mavericks at the eighth seed. Typically, MVPs are on the higher seed teams. On that bad of a team, he's going to have to have a like statistically historic season to win it. Like Russ did in 2017, I believe. 2017, when he averaged a triple-double, and the Thunder were the sixth seed. I think Doncic is capable of doing such a thing. That's why I have him winning it. Giannis is going to be asked to do a little bit less this year with Drew Holiday there. So I think he's still going to be in the conversation, but he's not going to win it. Damian Lillard, we saw what he's going to do in the bubble. I expect that to carry over into the regular season. Some other dark horse candidates, Jason Tatum, maybe. Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. Those are three guys on my mind. I don't like James Harden, even though he's been a finalist for the past like five years because of the uncertainty with his situation. That's, I mean, that's really all I can say about that. All right. Here are my five bold predictions for this season. I've already said a few of them. The Warriors will miss the playoffs. Number one, that's probably my boldest prediction of the season. The Warriors will miss the playoffs. Luka Doncic will average a triple-double is my second bold prediction. I think that's what he has to do in order to win MVP, and I think he's going to win MVP, so, you know, I kind of have to match up that. Number three, Ja Morant will lead the league in assists. I, this one's kind of, a, you know, kind of going out on a limb here. I was going to say for this one, Damian Lillard was going to lead the league in scoring, but that's kind of too obvious. So I went with Ja Morant leading the league in assists as much as he's going to score. He, he's got, he's got good surrounding pieces, especially when Jaron gets back. Number four, the Bucks will lose in the second round again to the Raptors. And number five, Bradley Beal will lead the league in scoring. Not James Harden this year. Not James Harden this year. Westbrook is going to set Beal up. Beal averaged 30 points without him. Harden averaged, what was it? 36 without Russ. And Harden averaged 34, still led the league in scoring last year. Beal averaged 30 last year without Russ. He's probably going to average 32, 33 this year. I do have Bradley Beal leading the league in scoring this year. All right. That does it for my predictions, my league-wide predictions. When we come back, I am going to give you my player rankings, my top 10 players in the NBA, excluding... Steph and KD because I haven't really seen them yet. Yes, they've played in the preseason, but at the same time, it really doesn't mean anything. So stay with me for that.
Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. It is time for my top 10 players in the NBA right now. This is kind of based on last season and somewhat a prediction of this season. Keep in mind, this does not include Steph or KD because of their injuries. I do not want to evaluate them until I see 10 to 15 regular season games from them. There's my explanation for that. So we're going to start at number 10 with Jimmy Butler. Maybe the most underrated player in the NBA, but everyone knows about him now after the Heat's run to the finals in the bubble. Butler carried that team specifically in the finals. Those two triple doubles, one of them a 40-point triple double in the NBA finals. He is a leader. Terrific player on both ends of the floor. Can get it done, however, inside, outside, mid-range, defensively, leading, intangibles. Anything and everything you need, he will give you. It's about time we recognize him as a top 10 player in the NBA. Number nine, Joel Embiid. In terms of talent, he's top tier. Embiid is right up there with Jokic for best center in the league. Top three best big man, you know, Davis, Jokic, and Embiid. I consider Davis more of a power forward. That's why I said big man. His post skills are tops in the NBA, in my opinion. Talking about Embiid, when he gets his back to the basket, his combination of skill, size, and footwork are like a death sentence for opponents. And defensively, he's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I don't have him as a finalist, but he's a candidate. Not his best season last year, just 23 points and 11 rebounds per game played, less minutes, about 29 compared to 33 per game the previous year. I hope he can stay healthy and stay on the floor all season because when he's healthy, he has an argument for best center in the league. He's that talented. Yeah, I mean, he's that dude. Number eight, Damian Lillard. We know what he can do. This is the bubble MVP, the guy who single-handedly carried his team into the playoffs last year with 40-point performances, 50-point performances, even a 61-point performance. We know he's capable of averaging 35 a game. He's just got a bunch of other offensive weapons that he can use. CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, Yusuf Nurkic. Offensively, he's one of the best in the game. I think now that the Trailblazers are fully healthy, We'll see a season where they reach as high as number three, maybe even in the Western Conference. And Lillard is the leader of that group. He's an MVP candidate, MVP finalist, finalist in my opinion, this year. Watch out for Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Number seven, Nikola Jokic, the best center in the league, best passing big man in league history. A triple-double machine. I mean, he's the star of a talented Nuggets squad, the superstar of the talented Nuggets squad that went to the conference finals last year. Jamal Murray may have got a lot of publicity in the bubble, but Jokic still did his thing. I think he's a Dark Horse MVP candidate. He wouldn't be in my top three finalists, but maybe in my top five. He's so great all around offensively, and he's a great rebounder for a guy with his athleticism because we know he won't jump out of the gym or dunk over anybody or anything like that. Although he did have a tomahawk in one of the preseason games, which was unbelievable. Uh, but... But his hands and timing and size make up for his lack of athleticism in terms of rebounding. Let's see how far he can take the Nuggets squad this year. He's going to have probably a little bit more help from Murray than he has in the past because I expect Murray to make a jump to potential all-star this year. Number six, Luka Doncic. Yeah, my MVP pick isn't in the top five, but this isn't fully based on how I think he's going to do this season. My MVP pick for this season, we saw flashes last year. He's an offensive juggernaut, triple-double threat on a nightly basis. 
a magician with the basketball. He's a great scorer and a really great playmaker too. Solid rebounder for his size as well. His defense and shooting are a concern, but that doesn't override his talent and potential to become the face of the NBA once the likes of LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry are gone. He's a special, special cha- uh, talent. And my pick for MVP this year, I think he's got a triple-double average. 30 point, may I add, triple-double average up his sleeve this season. Number five, James Harden. This guy is the best scorer in the NBA right now. Kevin Durant has a chance to take that title back this season, but for now it's Harden. Generational talent on the offensive side of the ball. He's led the league in scoring for three straight seasons. First player to do that since Kevin Durant from 2009 to 2012. He's averaging 30, 36. He's averaged 30 points, 36 points, and 34 points per game in that stretch. He's averaged 25 plus for the last eight seasons. Every year he's been in Houston, he's topped the 25 points per game mark. His defense is improving. He was near the top of the league in points per possession allowed as the primary defender. In terms of post defense, he's one of the best in the NBA simply because of his ability to take contact. He holds his own down there. His his size helps with that. He led the league in, in total steals last season, top 10 in steals per game for three years in a row now. Made the series-saving block against OKC in the first round of last year's playoffs. He's underrated on the defensive end. But we know his offense and ability to score the basketball is why he's this high on this list. Number four, Kawhi Leonard. This is the guy who I said was the best in the world after he won the title in 2019. Which he was. I was right. I will stand by that position. He was the best in the world until he choked against the Nuggets, which we'll get to in a bit. I want to talk about Kawhi more in depth after I finish this list. But in terms of why he's number four, he's extremely efficient on the offensive end. Two-way terror, best on-ball defender in the NBA. He's the best two-way player in the NBA. That's why he's a top four player in the league. Number three, Anthony Davis. I'll be honest, I wasn't a big Anthony Davis believer until last season. And it's because he was never on a big enough stage to prove him, to prove himself. Like, yeah, we knew talent-wise he was the best big man in the league, probably. But showing up in big moments in the playoffs, he never had a big enough run to show what he could do. But last season changed all of that. This dude averaged almost 28 and 10, 27.7 points per game, 9.7 rebounds per game, three and a half assists, 1.4 blocks, 1.2 steals, hit a game winning buzzer beater in game two of the Western Conference Finals on his way to winning his first NBA championship. And he had an argument for finals MVP as well. The way Davis showed out in the postseason proved to me that he is a top three player in the league now. Now, playing with LeBron does have something to do with that, but Davis did plenty of plenty on his own to prove his worth and spot on this list. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning back-to-back MVP. He's incredible in the regular season. We know that. But when, but, but when will he be able to keep it up for the postseason? That's the real question. If he wants to establish himself as the best player in the NBA, which he can do, he's going to have to do what Anthony Davis did and show up in the playoffs probably would have to win his team a championship in order for me to establish him as or at number one over this guy unless he falls off in year 18 which is what guys are supposed to do that far into their careers but lebron james doesn't age he just doesn't takes incredible care of his body spends over a million dollars per year on his body to keep it in top shape and it works (laughs) that is money well spent he won his fourth nba title and fourth finals mvp in his 17th season He's 35, about to be 36 in about 10 days. And he's still the best player in basketball. It's crazy. So there's my top 10. 
Number 10, Jimmy Butler. Number 9, Joel Embiid. Number 8, Damian Lillard. Number 7, Nikola Jokic. Number 6, Luka Doncic. Number 5, James Harden. Number 4, Kawhi Leonard. Number 3, Anthony Davis. Number 2, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And number 1, LeBron James. Okay, let's talk about Kawhi Leonard. Who is under the most pressure to win the title this year? It is not Kevin Durant. It is Kawhi Leonard, and it's because of last season. He made the bold move to avoid the super team in LA with the Lakers and went across the hall, basically, to create a contender of his own with the LA Clippers. And he forced the Clips to give up a lot in order to get him there. They lost Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and five, five first-round picks. Two pick swaps as well, I believe, for just Paul George. But my gosh, the Clippers had to be all in in order to get Kawhi his guy because he wasn't coming if they couldn't get Paul George. He threatened to join LeBron and the Lakers, and Steve Ballmer was not about to have that happen, so he complied and subsequently traded away the Clippers' future for a win-now championship contender. And despite all that, they couldn't even make it to the conference finals. We never got Lakers-Clippers, not because the Clippers choked against Denver, not just in Game 7. Games 5, 6, and 7. Up 17 in Game 5, 19 in Game 6, and 12 in Game 7. It was unbelievable. One of the biggest choke jobs in NBA history, especially in Game 7, where Kawhi went 6 for 22. Paul George, 4 of 16, hit the side of the backboard. They let Jamal Murray go off for 40 in a Game 7. I mean, it was horrible. I was so convinced all year long that this team was going to be the champs. I had never seen Kawhi Leonard play that bad before, especially on an elevated stage. He always seemed to get better in high-pressure moments. Not that one. Paul George did not have his best playoff performance either, but Kawhi was the ultimate letdown because he was the guy. He only had 14 points. He missed 16 shots. He missed more shots than he had points. And he didn't step up defensively either. He didn't have the guts to guard Murray. Yes, he had that sensational block on him earlier in the series with his middle finger, but whoever they had on Murray couldn't stop him. And I know it wasn't Kawhi. There's so much pressure on Kawhi Leonard this year to show up, specifically in the playoffs, because we know in the regular season he's going to do his thing, 26, 27 points per game, load management. But can he lead this Clippers team to a championship by the end of his contract? Because if he can't, I think he's gone. I think he could opt out after this season if they don't get it done. He signed a three-year deal in the summer of 2019, with the third year being a potential opt-out. So he could leave after this season, which I think is possible if they don't at least at the bare minimum get to the conference finals so to me this year is title or bust for the clippers they are the biggest challengers to the lakers for the title this season although i think since the lakers improved more than the clippers did in the offseason they are my favorites to win the title this year the lakers are but Kawhi is perfectly capable of upsetting them he's just got to show up in the postseason this year and paul george has got to prove that he's worth the 226 million dollar max extension he signed there's pressure on him too however most of that reflects back onto Kawhi because that was his guy he's the one who forced the Clippers to give up so much to get him so in a way in a way this is a stretch but in a way Kawhi is responsible for BG not performing as well okay I want to quickly touch on Rudy Gobert's contract extension and then we will wrap this up rudy gobert signed a what was it five year 205 million dollar like max extension with the jazz (sighs) 
I don't like this at all. I really don't. Yes, Gobert's a talented player. Yes, he's an all-star. Yes, he's a due-time defensive player of the year by $205 million. He's, he's, he's the fifth best center in the NBA. I would take Embiid, in, in no particular order, sorry. Embiid, Jokic, Towns, and Adebayo over Rudy Gobert. I mean, I, I, just, I just would. I don't think he's worth... $205 million. That's like the it's either the third or fourth most worth how do I word this? Most expensive contract in NBA history? He's got a top five most expensive contract in NBA history. Rudy Gobert! He's getting paid more than Donovan Mitchell. That's that's where the main problem is. There I understand there's limits on the rookie extension with Mitchell, but oh my word. And they probably would have paid Mitchell more if they could. But Rudy Gobert is getting paid more than Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is better than Rudy Gobert. Like, it's not even close. Donovan Mitchell means more to the franchise than Rudy Gobert. And I'm not hating on Rudy Gobert. I just don't think he's worth 200 or 205 million. Just like I don't think Paul George is worth 226 million. But, I mean, he's still second best player on the Clippers. Gobert is the second best player on the Jazz. But he's not worth over 200 million. <sighs> I, that was kind of head-scratching. I don't... I didn't really understand it, but oh well. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, in 1980, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar became the fifth player in NBA history to notch 25,000 points as he scored a season-high 42 points in the Lakers' 135-102 win over the Spurs. Happy birthday to Irvin Johnson, not Irvin Magic Johnson. The Irvin Johnson that played for the Supersonics, Nuggets, Bucks, and Timberwolves from 1993 to 2006. He played center from the University of New Orleans. Irvin Johnson, happy birthday. We will be back sometime later this week with recap of opening night and Christmas Day. Christmas Day this week uh, on Friday. So you know what we will do? We'll be back next weekend with a recap of opening night, some of the games on the 23rd, and then Christmas Day, Friday the 25th. See you then.